was a uh, memoir. So they're all different. Wow. I, I write for all tastes. You've been able to put together and write stories and write books. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I was happy to be able to talk to you because in discussing you know, beforehand, like, you know, the whole idea of New Year's and New Year's resolutions and then just talking about writing books and you've, you, you've done that, you've realized that, you've created that, which is just amazing how many people have wanted to write a story and just either were intimidated by it or didn't know, the, you know, where to take the first step and you've obviously done way more than that with writing multiple genres, not just a book. Yeah, I, I think New Year's resolution is a good way to start. You know, it, it's hard to do New Year's resolutions. If you can get one, then you're way ahead of the game. You know? Sure. Um, yeah, maybe if you look at the New Year's resolution, or even if it's something, if, if, if New Year's resolution scares one too because of having failed so many times and just, you know, you can look at, you know, writing a story or a book is either your bucket list or even as simple as simple as, as saying I, I'm, I've got a story to tell and I really would like to be able to do that I think it's really something like it's hard to do something that you really want to do you're scared there's a fear factor yeah. in it and and yeah. it's, it's basically a fear of failure or a fear of the unknown but you're never going to know unless you try it. That's the uh, that's the simple truth of it, you know. And that's why it's also important, which is why I really like your show too. Is like, you know, you're so you're so generous with your, you know, reaching out and, and the whole subject of of writing and art. And that's the thing also about the writers of the future competition as well is that it's. It's open for anybody who wants to be able to uh, give a shot as, as a writer. There's no judging that says, "Oh, don't you know, don't give up your day job." There's none of the stuff that happens. The person can grow as, as a writer, and you're in a community where there's other um, like-minded people who would like to get a story, you know, write a story and get it out there. And so that's, you know, when Mr. Hubbard created that back in 1983, that was the purpose. And now it's like we're almost. 40 years old as a, as a competition. Nothing comes close to that. Yeah. So it's good. It's, and we've talked about it over the years, you know, you've had several of our winners and judges on your show. And it just it continues to, to grow with entries now from over 175 countries. And this year, I think we've got winners in volume 38 from either eight or nine different countries. So it's, it's, it's really good what it's done. And I think it's in no small part, no small credit. Um, to working with you, you know, and others like you, but mostly working with you on your show to, you know, you've got other writers that are aspiring writers or people that enjoy, you know, science fiction, fantasy, um, speculative type fiction. So I think it's, it's important um, what we're talking about right now, just that people can know that, well, there is, you know, they don't have to just kind of like keep it in their head and just kind of like just never take it past the wish state. They actually have something they can actually do, which is what why we created that online writing workshop as a free course from some of the best names in science fiction and fantasy teaching it. Also, I think that one of the things, well, you know why I started my show, right? Is because I couldn't get on anything. And when I did get onto one of the um, blog talk podcasts, the interviewer wasn't wonderful. Um, 
And I wanted to... That's all the more special what you've done. Yeah, and I wanted to give other writers... I wanted to make it easy for, you know... I mean, people made yeah. you fill out forms and weird stuff like that. And I was like... And somebody, uh, when somebody sends me a note saying they want to be on it, I say, um, what do you want to talk about? And they say, oh, my new book or my art or uh, I'm, I'm trying to create a new project. And I'm like, oh, okay, come on. <laughs> I'm that easy. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's but why I created it. Mm-hmm. And it's for people, like people who are on your contest. Yeah. So it worked out. It's worked out really, really well. And there's, um, I think you've had also some of our, our judges on there as well on, mm-hmm. your, on your show. <clears throat> but it's, um, I think now with, and especially like for, in what's right as a feature and illustrates the feature is not even there's no age restriction on it, but people going to school like in high school and college, um, there's less and less outlets for someone to be able to. Uh, break into the published world. I mean, it's definitely Amazon that somebody can go into Amazon going to self-publish, but it also um, assumes that a person's got himself a pretty decent uh, social presence to be able to break through the clutter of, of everybody else trying to do that as well. So with, with a contest like Rise to Teacher or a show like Chatting with Sherry, um, you've got the ability to get your voice heard and it's um, it's something that, yes, like I said, in, in this day and age, as budgets continue to get tightened on arts and performing arts and literary arts, becomes even more important that that such vehicles exist and are taken advantage of to to give that that extra leg up to uh, to success. And so I think that's you know with the writers of the future. And all these things are on the one website, risetofuture.com, where a person can enter the contest, the writing contest, the art contest, um, join the uh, the forum, which is an award-winning forum, listen to the podcast, which is an award-winning podcast, uh, the blog, where we've got amazing articles from winners and judges and industry professionals. So it's, it becomes like a one-stop shop for uh, aspiring writers of uh, speculative fiction to be able to... Uh, take their next step, whatever that step happens to be. That's true. It's really a difficult thing sometimes to get your mind around doing that. Um, if yeah. There's, a, like I said, there's a, a factor of fear. There's also, there's um, naysayers. You ask people around you. I was lucky. I had very um, supportive parents and supportive friends. But, you know, there were people at my work that said, oh, you're crazy. Don't, you know, what are you working on this for? It's a total uh, dream that you're never going to have. And I would look at them and I said, well, I acted professionally. That was a dream that people told me I was never going to have, too. I just do what I feel I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's what Which is good. people and, should do. Not everybody, yeah, unfortunately, people don't have aren't in that fortunate position that you're in to have at least enough supportive people to see you through the ones that were the naysayers. Some people don't have that. And so it's important to have, you know, some place that people can go to, which is obviously listening to your show, but also Rise of the Future. 
on, on, the, on the former, as a future, if someone comes in and starts making a disparaging comment, they're given one warning and then they're out of there. Mm-hmm. They're banned from right of the future. It's like, we're, we don't, if you want to have somebody that's going to go in and give you uh, grief, just go on and post on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram. You'll get plenty of it. You know, gratuitous grief. <laughs> it, it's get. just, I don't really even understand the people who do that. I don't. I mean, so unnecessary. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, it, it happens out there. Oh, a lot. Fortunately, a lot. Yeah, fortunately for me, like with writers of the future, you know, we'll have people will come and try to do that, but there's so many people that have experienced, you know, the um, the goodness and the beneficence of, of the content itself, what it's done for people. They themselves will go on and tell people to bugger off. You know, they don't know what they're talking about. It's just... You know, it, it's good because it's just so many people have been helped by the contest over the, I said, nearly four decades now that it's long since proven itself. Um, and the number of editors that, that ask for a copy of Writers of Future so they can check out, you know, who literally are going to be the next generation of creative writers. You know, these are the new artists. These are the new writers that will be reading, you know, in five or ten years. And it's just proven itself out so many times now that, there's no, there's no selling that anymore. It's just, it's just a demonstrated concept. I think that, I think one of the safest things to do is uh, belong to a writers group. But you have to be careful mm-hmm. with that too, because some writers groups are really harsh. What I would do is yeah. dip my toe into several different writers groups, and find ones that are that work with you, and then just dip out if it's not a good fit. Um, There's nothing that says you have to stay with some group just because they're a writer's group. It's like... Yeah, there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. Um, I personally prefer um, people who are helpful and they uh, are constructive and not mean. Being mean and, 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 and... high-handed is not helpful. So I I stay away from that kind of group. Sure. I mean, you've got Dave Farland and Dean Wesley Smith. Horses Scott Card had one, but I think that that one's over with now. But there's, um, there's several great groups out there that, that definitely are interested in helping the aspiring writer. And like I said, I talk about the illustrators, too. We have a lot of... Uh, People to enter the, the illustrators of the future contest, and so both both of those things, a person can actually find some some, some like-minded individuals to work with and, uh, and to seek guidance. And what happens too is, as you enter the contest, when you first enter and you just get maybe a, a letter saying thank you very much, um, please sim- re- please resubmit. And so they're told to submit again, but then once they start getting better, they start getting an honorable mention. Then a silver honorable mention, then finalists, and then a winner. And some people have entered, you know, 20 years before finally making a winner. But the contest is so well established now that even when a person gets an honorable mention, there's I see usually once every two weeks or so I'll see a press release on somebody announcing they're an honorable mention in Writers of the Future as part of their writing credentials. It's just it's just that well accepted and and known to be a, a source of of talent. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really good. 
anything that is a positive that that is saying, "Hey, this person is good. This person is a wonderful writer." That's mm-hmm. that's will that's help. Important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because um I got my start writing uh poetry and fan fiction. Poetry was more professional. Fan fiction was for fun. But I actually met the person who became my illustrator through fan fiction because she uh, did the illustrations in fan fiction. And it's really good that you guys have both and that, you you know, you don't know what you're doing. I mean, you do know what you're doing, but you don't know that that those two people may have a lifetime of working together once you put them together. It's so cool. When I see it, I see you know, sometimes when they're when they meet up at the at the Rise of Future workshop because we have the winners from both contests out there for a week long workshop before the awards event, and and the respective you know writers and illustrators all themselves become lifetime lifelong friends, but sometimes the the writer and the artist will team up and they see subsequent books that they come out with where you know they. The illustrators always wanted to illustrate a children's book, but didn't have a, an author. So now they they team up with someone there from the writers' contest to to write their book, or vice versa. So and, and you see these people with their relationships they build, and you find out you know years later, here somebody comes out, or I'm at a convention, somebody walks up and introduces themselves as a winner from volume seven or volume twelve, and this is what they're doing right now. It's 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 really really cool just seeing how their relationships you know, continue to build over time. It's like anything that is a thing that brings people together today, instead of pushing them mm-hmm. apart, that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Um, and, you know, if you're, gonna, if, if you're getting published, you get autographed books, which is really a cool thing. Um, yeah. It's kind of weird, um, but it's cool. <laughs> you're like, I'm just a writer. Why am I autographing books? Because that's what you think when you're first doing it. You're just like, this is really weird. <laughs> that's really cool. Every time we just did a, we just came up with an interview that we'd done with um, Emma McCaffrey several years ago, and she talked about what it was like to finally first be published and to have somebody ask for a signature. It was like, it was so cool, and going into a bookstore and seeing your book and go, that's my book. Mm-hmm. And then Nettie Corfor, one of our current judges, and she's um, she just posted recently on her social media. Now, you know, she hadn't done it for a while, but at an airport she was in, she went and saw one of her books at the uh, airport bookstore, and she went and she autographed it. She said, it was so nice, you know, just going there and just doing that, you know, just walking in and signing a book, putting it back on the shelf. Some lucky fan's going to get a, an actual autographed Nettie Corfor book. So it, it's way cool. It's just it's just a it's a cool thing that if you're a shy person, which in public I am, um, mm-hmm. it it kind of freaks you out a little when somebody asks for your autograph uh, for a book. It's just like, um, okay. <laughs> yeah, seems like it would be. But you you push yourself through, and you're just thinking, okay, this is something for them, and you're thinking this is going to be a good thing. And you just do it, and that it makes them happy. So that's the way to think about it. If you're like me, 
Yeah, no, that makes good sense. And the original topic of this of this show, talking about you know, just like on a New Year's resolution or a bucket list, or just I've wanted this for so much, you know, so long. There's so many benefits to being able to tell a story. You know, people love stories. You know, you you know, you just see people around the table that just um, they love stories. He's a good storyteller, and so. A lot of people have amazing stories, and that's one of the things that the winners do when they come out for their workshop. They just go and meet people on the street. They didn't do this last year because of COVID, but that's one of the drills, the exercises they did. Just everybody's got a good story. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's nobody doesn't have something to say that's not interesting. And how do you tell that story? That's the trick. And that's what um, you learn, you know, when you learn how to write stories. And that's why this free online workshop, the writers and of the future online writing workshop is, is so helpful because you got 12 videos between Orson Scott Card who wrote uh, Ender's Game and Tim Powers who wrote On Stranger Tides which was made into that um, Pirates of the Caribbean movie and and um, Dave uh, Farland who's got probably 15 New York Times bestsellers in, in epic fantasy so you got these guys telling you all the, the segments the pieces of how to write as a video uh, looking straight at you as you're as you're watching it, and then there's about a dozen essays from Elwood and Hubbard, which they all say this is these are just as good now as they were when he first wrote them, because some of the basics of writing hasn't changed. You know, clothes styles have changed, automotive types have changed, but the basic techniques of how to write a good story, what interests people, how to create suspense, that hasn't changed. So people can get that and they go at their own pace, and it's just been really, really successful. We've got about 6,000 people on that course. Um, and it's just they can go at their own pace and when they come out the other end they they can uh, write uh, a story that's part of things you can go back over and over stuff as many times as you want to again free to be able to get those those pieces done to actually write a story and so some anybody could actually write their story and not have to feel judged or invalidated or made wrong for for having done so you know you just got other people that are totally support with you being able to do that. Also, people say, I don't know what to write. You know, listen to your family. Listen to the friends. Everybody has a story. They're, they're probably telling you stories mm -hmm. all the time, and you're going, oh, God, it's Granny's story again. No, 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 no. No, no, no. That is a launching point. You listen to that story. <laughs> yeah. That's smart. That's smart. And people think that, well, I'm you know, to be interesting, I need to have gone on the Apollo to the moon, or I need to have climbed the top of the Himalayas, or I need to have gone down to the depth of the oceans and encounter a great white and survive it. No, that's not that's not true at all. And people don't realize, and you can take a look at some of the, the, your favorite authors, what they've done. They just take a a normal, you know, scenario and just twist it a little bit and just, you know, bring up, highlight some of the different, something that's really interesting about it, and all of a sudden you've got an amazing, amazingly great best-selling story. You just, you know, just, I mean, Huck Finn or Tom Sawyer, they're just stories about, you know, everyday life in that, that um, Samuel Langhorn Clemens, you know. Mark um, Twain. <laughs> exactly. Um he just turned that into 
and he was a storyteller. She just turned it into on printed pages instead of telling somebody these uh, long tales, but they're just based off of just an everyday life of living along the Mississippi back then. So it's, it's not that hard. Some people are, they talk themselves out of ever even giving a shot at trying to do, to do something. So it, what you were saying there is absolutely correct. There's, there's so many stories. It's funny because uh, Louise May Alcott, who wrote Little Women, Little Men, those boys also, mm-hmm. when she she first started as a writer, it was very much like Joe in Little Women. She wrote these crazy, incredibly um, dramatic stories that were blood curdling tales that she just made up. That she because she yeah. she and the girls liked to act and stuff like that, and yeah. and. The guy who was the publisher said, "You know, we like we want tales about women, especially friendships between women or sisters." And she goes, "I don't really like women. I'm and I'm a tomboy. I hang out with boys." <laughs> and he said, "Well, do you are you close to any women?" She goes, "Just my sisters." And he goes, "Well, why don't you base it on your relationship with your sisters?" And little women was born. Wow, that's a great story. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense? It makes sense. But it's just, it doesn't have to be some momentous or, or a momentous or monumental feat. It's just people are interesting. People are interested in other people. You know, and so if you can tell the story of – because another thing, too, is which one of the things that made um, – I think one of the things that made like cult fiction some of the stories, and especially the ones that I'm familiar with are the ones that uh, Hubbard wrote – on uh, the 30s and 40s is that they're written about characters that other people could relate to. You know, they're not perfect. They're not the superheroes. There's somebody who's, you know, a lot of times on, a, in a, on his westerns, there was somebody that was maybe riding on the wrong side of the law and then something happened and they had to rise to the occasion and, and they made a, a decision to do the right thing. And so other people, I can relate to that. Um, it's, it's interesting how we've, we got this one series that we um, um, wrote called that Elwood wrote called Mission Earth, and the character that's most liked by the public is Sultan Greece, who's the is the voice of, of the thing. But he's a crook, he's a crim, you know, and he always comes across. He, he he's constantly messing up people, doing stuff, but then he his karma is instant, you know. And people can relate to him more than any, than any of the other characters. They go, oh, I feel sorry for him. Or like with, um, I think we've talked before about Battlefield Earth, you know, just, uh, um, and they're the main character in Battlefield Earth, trying to get boy Tyler as he's fighting these these big evil overlords. He learns how to handle stuff by, he learns by going to libraries. It's been closed up for a thousand years and he's able to pry off one of the, the covering plates that protects it from weather and he starts learning, you know, but he goes to the library to, to learn stuff. And it's, there's some, you can get some really good stuff, you know, just who would have thought of that? That's like boring, but then it really fit in there and just like, wow, that's pretty cool. So there's so many good ideas you could have out there and what to do to be able to um, to write a story that other people would be interested in. It's just, also, it's, it's amazing. Also, you do, it, just because you're writing a certain genre, it doesn't mean you have to fit into any category. You can write anything in the genre. But my when when I was a little girl, 
I was not a fan of science fiction because the first couple of things I had seen, this was uh, bef- uh, a long time ago, were violent. <laughs> People beating each other, blowing each other up, and and all this stuff, and I just I hated it. It's it, it's just not my thing. So my dad, who wanted me to love science fiction as much as I, I love murder mysteries because they. I was like an Agatha Christie fan or an Ellery Queen fan. The it was like a Greek tragedy. Most of the violence was off stage, and I liked that. And I still love those books. But he wanted me to love science fiction because he loves science fiction. And he wanted me to love his period of science fiction. So he found stories. Um, There was a a book of short stories by Ray Bradbury. Uh, Like, uh, I I Sing the Body Electra and stuff like that. And the other one he got was um, A.E. Van Vogt's Slam because it was about a girl who was um, different, um, but she was just a normal girl, and she was just trying to survive in a world that was hunting her because she was different. And right. these story concepts I liked and I understood. I mean, my father was very smart. He said, "I, I he, he goes, this is girl-oriented stuff. He knew that I would be interested. Yeah. Not that it was sure. just for girls. It was just that there was a female lead who was strong, and that was even back then. <laughs> yeah, no, that's um, there's something there really is something for everybody out there, and I think too that somebody needs you know, if a person is going to write something, you think they're going to sit down and write um, off off the first first take something that's going to be a, a major global bestseller. Uh-uh. You're, you're somewhat delusional thinking that. Just you just need to write a story. And, I mean, even some of the great writers will say, be willing to throw away your first half million or million words to build up your own pace, so you're not thinking about the words. Now you're just totally doing your story. You know, where the words just come naturally because you're now that familiar with it. But even you know, regardless of that, you need to write a story, and then you write another story, and then you write another story. And even if it's just, you know, I'm going I'm to write something because I just want to tell this one story that happened to me when I was in high school and my first date. And that's my story. Okay, great. There's a story, you know, because it was maybe it was just really peculiar, something peculiar about it that people can get a laugh out of, you know. So it's just something that a, a person needs to, to do. And sometimes I'll tell you, too, with Writers of the Future, um, we've had – there was one winner, uh, it's probably been 15 years ago now, but he was so self-conscious of his writing, his wife took the story out of his drawer and submitted it. And when the contest director called to congratulate him on winning, he said, winning what? He didn't know that his story had been submitted. So sometimes people are so beaten down that they can't do it or that they shouldn't or whatever negative connected with it that's why you know, people like yourself and, and the writers of your contest exist to kind of like, no, don't just don't buy into that. You know, turn off the TV. If that's where you're getting all your negative vibes from just, you know, sit down and, and creativity is so important. And even more so now when like we talked about earlier in this, on this show with the social media, with all the, the hate and stuff like that that goes on there, 
you just you need to get that out and people putting creativity in there will remove that hate you know mm-hmm. so i think it's, it's it's so important for one's for one's soul you know to be able to just do their to create something also i think you know social media is good for several things one thing it's good is to connect people that you can't connect especially when we were shut down um and it's good for learning things. You know, you have access to the libraries of the world, and you can like go. Uh, you can look into. Well, that's internet. That's internet, not necessarily social media. That's internet. Yeah. Well, internet. Um. You, there's yeah. there's a lot of stuff that's good. What isn't good? Well, that part's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I like to go and I I studied archaeology, so I like to go to archaeology sites because now they can just build. What what it looked like for you when you're like walking through uh, different uh, classic archaeological sites and you, you're like seeing it and it, you don't even have to have glasses or anything. It's all virtual on your your computer. That's the coolest no, that's thing so ever. Cool. And isn't it cool? 3D virtual rendering, just so cool. You're oh right. my god, it's the best thing they ever made. I wish they had that when I was in school. <laughs> we had dioramas then. Yeah. <laughs> But it was just, it was so cool. But anyway, there's that's the good stuff. You know, the bad stuff mm-hmm. is the trolls, the people who say nasty stuff, the people who yeah. promote bad things. You know, and the thing is, is people start to believe because they're on Facebook and they see that all the time, which is one of the reasons I avoid the front page, you know, where you get, I forgot what they call it, the first page of Twitter, the first page of Facebook, where all the stuff that uh, go, comes up, I avoid it yeah. like the plague. I just don't go there. Yeah. I I go to my groups. I check out some of my friends' pages. I promote my own stuff, and then I'm off. Um, I just yeah. I don't want that. I have enough negativity just from the television. I don't need it uh, like that, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. You know, so. And that's again going back to why it's really good to be able to just take some take some time and just you know work on it, and then you just you know sometimes it's going to be real slow, but sometimes all of a sudden you have a little spurt, and it's you know you you can get that creative creativity happening, and it's just it's so worthwhile when you're able to do something and create something. It's um if you haven't done it or you haven't done it for a while, you know give it a shot, and if you haven't done, you know if you haven't done it for a while. Just remember what it was like when you were in school and you're doing, you know, the the hand paintings or writing your essays or writing, you know, a short story for your class, um, or even if you're, you know, with your with your friends at the bar telling stories to each other. Just those things there. It's it's a creativity. It's, it's a real fun outlet. And so being able to write it and stuff like that. Once you're done, you know, if you you can get somebody else to help on editing. That's we're not talking about that. That's its own separate thing. We're talking about just writing a story, mm-hmm. and you can get an editor. You can find them. You can find good ones. You know, and on the on the on my podcast, we I have interviews with other people talk about do's and don'ts on hiring editors, which is good. Um, but we're just talking about writing a story right now. Not that you're going to now come out and get a a, a a major award for your story because you wrote one. We're not talking that. We're just talking about writing a story. Just you, you have to start. I mean, everybody starts in writing stories. Um, Agatha Christie wrote stories before people think um, 
The Mysterious Affair at Styles was the first book she ever wrote. She wrote other stuff. Um, uh-huh. and, uh, most of it was rejected. Uh, her poems got got published, but um, she was writing a lot of stuff that got rejected. Writers get rejected. That's good. Yeah. It teaches you. Yeah. Um, so when you're entering something like Writers of the Future and you get like, oh, well, thank you, but try again, they're not kidding. They want you to try again. Yeah, absolutely. That is, that is so true. And I mean, Kevin Anderson, I think you've had on your show before, he's, he used to boast several years ago that he's, he could win the award as the most rejected author, but he's one of the highest paid authors that exists out there in science fiction. Mm-hmm. He said at one point he had like over 760 rejects in a, in a in a pot that he kept. So you can't be a writer and be thin skinned. You got, you know, if you're going to submit stuff, you got to be prepared. And it's not, and even if it's not accepted, it doesn't mean it was a bad story. Mm-hmm. It could be that uh, they just published one like yours recently, so they're not looking for that. It could, it could be something as simple as the editor, when he looked at your story or she looked at your story, was having a just a bad day. And so everything was just grumped out, you know, so uh, no, 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 whereas on a good day, that would have been good, so you have to keep on submitting stuff, that's one of uh, Heinlein's things, if you write the story, you keep on sending it out, send it out, send it out, and only when an editor says, okay, this looks pretty good, you can do this, this, and this, at that point, do you make an edit to it, you just keep on sending, and then, then you write, it. and then while that's happening, write something else, you know, if you're interested in actually getting published, there's a definite you know, you don't have, this is my story, this is my first story, and you gave your second story, and your third story. And again, that's something that the writer of the future really gets into. And um, and that's another thing, too, that, like, um, I know we've talked about Battlefield Earth before, but that was written um, in the early 80s when Ellen Hubbard was celebrating his 50th anniversary as a professional writer. And the introduction of that, he really talks about science fiction and fantasy and what brought it about, and he talked about the golden age, what became known as the golden age at the time. It wasn't a golden age because it was it was the, the the age then. It was the 30s and 40s when there's a lot of creativity happening, and so it was. It's what evolved into being uh, modern science fiction, but that's just the whole thing on it. Just you got to write, and you've got to be able to just um, create. And like you were saying before, it just, you don't have to write this type of a story. It's just you write your story. You know, you tell your story and don't say, come up to to uh, Sherry and say, hey, Sherry, I got a great idea for a story. Did you want to write it? No, because it's not Sherry's story. Exactly. It's your story. So you've got to write your story. Yeah, I've had people actually do that. It's like, uh, even if it's a great concept, it's your, It's not my story. I didn't come up with a concept. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly I, right. I, you don't touch that. That's... That, you just turn it around, say it's a good story. Now keep going. That you encourage exactly. them. Okay. <laughs> next is start, okay. What's your what's the opening sentence? Good. Okay. Good. Now what's your next sentence? Good. You know, and just encourage the person. That's I think that's what's really important. That's why like I said the the contest, Resident Future contest, is so important because it, it provides that outlet for somebody who's who'd like to give it a shot. And so we've got people now entering from all over the world and winners now from all over the world happening that have that opportunity which they didn't have before in some countries we've got we had a couple winners from Iran and one from Turkey and 
I mean, they talk about how, like, you know, I'm from a country where creativity is not celebrated, it's not encouraged. So they're so appreciative of what the contests have provided for them. But even when you talk about countries like that, where you know there's a lot of problems, even here in the United States, there's, you know, from from the haters and stuff like that, people come in and just try to to dash your hopes. You got to like have people that you're able to work with who will encourage you and say, okay, keep going. Nobody expects your first work to be like some amazing work, but it's yours, mm-hmm. you know, and you can be, you can be congratulated and hailed for doing that. How many people can never get past the point of saying, I wish. So to take that and actually do something is quite an achievement in and of itself. Yeah, that's one of my encouragements. Um, I've had people come up to me um, or send me an email saying, oh, I really loved your book. I wish I could write like that. And I'm like, you can. You, you can. Yeah, people, you, you, yeah. it just, you have to work on it. You can't just you say, I wish. Yeah. You need to be able to start. And that's, again, going to writersofthefeature.com has all those different places, at least from what we've been ta- what I've been talking about, where a person can get that that initial encouragement to be able to get that start going. And you'll be able to meet a lot of like-minded individuals willing to like, hey, keep it going, be good, you know. In the Rise of the Future forum, it's, it's totally about encouragement and just letting you like express your concerns and express your desires and hopes and not have somebody dash them, but instead have them say, okay, well, that's good. I had the same thing too. And, you know, I worked through it and I have other friends that helped me along. So that's, that's what it takes. And it's the, um, the artist is like one thing that Mr. Hubbard said, and I'm, I'm very poorly paraphrasing it, but you know, he said the artist is a, is a cut above the average human. You know, they're just, they're able to communicate and, and create and um, that needs to be validated, needs to be recognized, and needs to be supported. And so that's what this is all about, and that's why he created this competition to be able to do that, because that was very important to him. So, and everybody else working at the in Writers of the Future, similarly, very important to us. And I know from all the times I've spoken with you, it's very important to you as well. Mm-hmm. I just think that Everybody needs support. It doesn't matter who you are. Even if you're a published writer, you need support. Everybody does. It, it, mm-hmm. That's just the way it is. Um, it, it, there's a lot of negativity in the world. If you can find a group of people who will say, you know, that will be helpful and kind and show you the good parts of what you're doing, that's a good thing. And anything that's supportive a is a very good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're coming Absolutely to agreed. we're coming to the end. Is there a um, is this the period where people can submit? Absolutely. The way the, the way the contest works, we're now in the we're in the second quarter now of year thirty nine. So this quarter began January first, and it goes to the end of March. And so this is the second quarter, year 39, that you can uh, submit entries to the Writers or the Illustrators Contest. Again, you go to writersofthefuture.com, and you can see on the le- you can navigate on the left side of the page, and you can see all the places it has the rules, and you can go there and enter the Writers Contest. 
And for anybody that doesn't know, the Rise of the Future contest is free to enter. The judging is done blind, meaning all the judges will see is your story or your art and a number that they received assigned, that's assigned to that, that work. So they have no idea if you're male, female, nationality, age, anything. It's just on the merit of your story or your art alone determines if you win. And then we only find out about when we get the art back or the story back from the judges saying, okay, story number 256 and art number you know, 754 are the winners. Then that's when we find out who the winners actually are. So it's totally merit alone that you win. And then the winners are flown out to Hollywood for a week-long workshop. You're published in um, a best-selling science fiction and fantasy anthology. Um, we now have it uh, it's, it's internationally available on, on Amazon, but on in bookstores, we've got South Africa, we've got Australia, New Zealand, UK, Canada, and the United States. We've got bookstores um, where you can get the books hard copy as well. So it's, it's pretty exciting. So it's all at writersofthefuture.com. Okay. And um, so is there, uh, is, is there anything else, like um, any other website? or is, is this a Facebook thing, too, isn't there? Yeah, on Facebook, everything is, is uh, we've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And um, you can see, you can click on those, on those pages from the writersofthefuture.com, but it's also at WOTF Contest, the Writers of the Future, at WOTF Contest will get you to the Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram pages as well. Okay. Um, John, um, we're out of time. Uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's always fun. <laughs> yes. Thank you very much for having me on your show again, Sherry. I very much appreciate this. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. <laughs> Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.